This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Ricardo Belmar. Ricardo has been in the retail tech space for over 20 years. He is currently the senior partner marketing advisor at Microsoft. He owns his own consulting firm called Retail Razor, where he consults retailers and anyone who's looking to explore the retail tech space. I'm excited to be joined by Ricardo. Welcome, Ricardo. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Well, Ricardo, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? I think what you do at Microsoft is interesting, and I think that would be interesting for people to hear. So uh, I recently joined Microsoft earlier this year uh, in the uh, partner organization as a partner marketing advisor for retail. And what that means is I work with uh, the Microsoft partner network and try to activate partners uh, with all the Microsoft uh, field teams and really try to help uh, all, all these folks get in front of retailers with their solutions and solve business challenges. You know, whether it's in supply chain, customer experience, e-commerce, wh- whatever aspect of retail operations that is, you know, we, we have partners that have solutions in that space built on Microsoft tech. And, and it's my job to help kind of connect the dots there, uh, market those solutions uh, for retailers and, and make them visible. Uh, so really it's all about growing that part of the business. Uh, and prior to Microsoft, uh, I used to do a lot of uh, other retail tech organizations that I worked with, ranging from uh, managed service providers to technology providers. Uh, I did some fun things with uh, network technology to help make uh, application performance better in stores uh, for things like point of sale, uh, tablet devices, uh, any kind of uh, technology running in the store. And then I've also done a lot of things where I've been uh, an advisor to retail tech startups, kind of trying to to get into the business, particularly ones coming in from uh, Europe, trying to get into the US market. Where are you today? Where's home, Ricardo? So I'm in the the Washington DC area, just north of there in uh, Maryland. uh, I think probably some parts that you're you're not probably a bit familiar with in the Frederick, Maryland area. You got it. I am. Let's move to the next part of the show. Next part of the show we call Clear the Air. I've got three questions for you. More personal about you. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, let's see. Uh, you know, an interesting one, though, it sounds kind of small, but I, I really like it. So recently on a family vacation and we went uh, hiking, we were in the, the White Mountains area in New Hampshire, and uh, we got to the top of the, this peak where we were hiking and we picked wild blueberries, uh, wow. which was a, an interesting thing for me. My, my kids really enjoyed that and they kind of gave us a, a fun snack on the way back down as we hiked our way back down the mountain. How long did it take you to hike up? Uh, it was about a 30 minute hike up. I think we, we took a slightly longer path down, uh, so up a little more than that, maybe 40 minute hike down. Incredible place. So very cool. All right. Question two. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Ah, so uh, interesting one here. I, I, I very much disagree with uh, a media narrative and retail about the retail apocalypse. That's like one of my biggest things. I think you have probably talked about this before. Sure. Uh, but I'm very much uh, opposed to that narrative. I, I don't think that uh, just because we see store closings, we can call it a retail apocalypse. I think it's a 
natural correction in the industry that maybe was needed in some cases, but a lot of good things happening that I, I think work against that narrative. Me too. Glad you said it. Last question. What is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? Mm. So I, I would say uh, one thing I, I've always wanted to get better at, but, but haven't accomplished it yet, uh, would be video editing, which probably sounds like a, a crazy thing you might say just for, for based on the kind of work that I do, but I, I'm always fascinated by the kind of magic you can work in uh, production work around video. And I've always wanted to, to kind of have that, that kind of skill set. That is one I, I can do very basic stuff, but real nice productions that are high quality, not my cup of tea for sure, gets outsourced. I want to take us to the hardest show. We have a cool topic today, the five hottest trends in retail tech, according to Ricardo Belmar. Here's what I want to do. I want to start with the bottom. Started from the bottom, now we're here. So start from the bottom with going five to one. All right, what is the fifth one? Frontline staff enablement. Uh, in other words, using tech to enable your frontline retail staff to, to help do their job better. Um, I, I put this one at number five. I, I think that uh, the pandemic has really shown a light on this uh, and really put frontline staff front and center. Uh, it, it's always kind of been a bit of a cliche, I think, in retail to say that, you know, the, those store associates that interact with your customers are always the face of your brand. But in past years, it's always been true that while we, we hear a lot of talk about investing in that stuff, investing in technology, investing in training, it always seems to fizzle out once we get past the first quarter of the calendar year and, and other investments take priority. I, I really feel that this one now um, is becoming one of the priorities. Uh, and I've even recently done some studies in this. I'll have one coming out soon that's going to talk about that. Uh, so I put that as my number five, that frontline staff technology enablement uh, is definitely front and center and coming. I think that's great. Give the audience an example of what might be one application that's frontline staff technology enablement. Sure. So, so one of my favorites is uh, it's called different things. Some people call it clienteling. I, I think of it as just having basic access to customer data on say a mobile device, you know, a phone, tablet, some kind of mobile device that's readily accessible uh, for that store associate um, in a way that means, you know, let's say that you're in a store and, and you're as the customer, you, you ask for help, right? And you want to know something about product, you know, that device can give uh, the associate not just access to product information, but, uh, you know, if the customer is uh, willing and not in a kind of a creepy privacy way, but, you know, in a way that's uh, agreed upon, you know, it gives the associate access to say browsing history that uh, that customers had on their website or previous purchase history. I think most customers, you know, when, when surveyed say that they wish the retailer would remember things they've bought before when they're at the store and they're talking to someone. And so give staff access to that information on a device they're carrying around so that, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to not only be knowledgeable about what they're selling, but knowledgeable about what the customer wants, which is really what this is all about. Now, so that that's my favorite example of that. And I, I could go into others, but I, I think that's, for me, is a, is a priority one that I think every retailer should be working towards. That's a good one. I think for the consumer, that is a big one on the return side, because they're like, oh, do you have a receipt? Do you have the card that you used when you made the purchase? And I'm like, I don't know what card I used when I made the purchase. Right. Right. You tell me. I bought it from you, right? I'll tell you one that I think would be excellent. We're working toward it. However, walking up to an associate and saying, where is X 
and it being where they say it is, sometimes it's not. Or if it's not there, do you have any in the back? And they say, we have two. Target's getting really good at this. Where I target, I walk up to an associate and they're like, no, but we have it at the store here. You want me to call over and hold it for you? I was like, yeah, do that. That's great. Because I was dressing like a turkey for Thanksgiving for my two kids. And they were selling turkey costumes. <laughs> and uh, the one by me didn't have it, but they told me the one. I was like, yeah, I, if you told me it was three hours away, I got to go do this. So I went and I got this. So I think there are... They're making headway, but that's one I think that if we can roll out at scale would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, having that kind of inventory data uh, and, and precise location right within the store, I think those are also big ones. And, and all that can be done, right? The technology exists. There are lots of applications out there that can help do that. Uh, it's all available. It just has to get implemented and put in the hands of those associates. Yep. All right. That's great. That's number five. All right. That's number five. So number four. Uh, Fulfillment and delivery services. So what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, all, all of these great local delivery services that, that probably both you and I have gotten really used to over the last 18 months, <laughs> whether it's, uh, you know, from names that we know as consumers like Instacart, Uber Eats and DoorDash and those folks to other fulfillment technologies that are new that are both helping to work with that delivery, but making it easier for retailers to get the products in the hands of customers where and when the customer wants, rather than having everything be so centralized in distribution centers. So, uh, you know, one term that gets thrown around a lot is, is micro fulfillment centers. Uh, over the last year, we've been a lot of fun stories, I think in the media about dark stores, uh, which by the way, I'm not a particularly big fan of, because I think there's gotta be better ways to spend your money on uh, retail real estate than on a dark store that you won't have customers coming into. But uh, I think this, the, new technology that's allowing retailers to either carve out space across the store footprint they have for just fulfillment services. You know, I think uh, Target, you, you mentioned some of the things Target's doing well, and I think they've really mastered this. Um, you know, when I, I read the data from their financials that they've got like, what is it, 95% of their online orders are being fulfilled yeah. from stores. That's just insane. Uh, but, but wow, what an accomplishment. Uh, I think other retailers are, are really striving to get to that point if they can. A any retailer with a large store fleet, right, has got to be asking themselves right now, and if they're not, they need to be, you know, how can I use that store footprint to better fulfill orders from customers, not just when they're standing in the store and buying something off the floor, but also when they're ordering online and they want to come and pick it up in store. You know, buy online pickup in store is immensely popular now, along with curbside pickup. So having that ability to move product to the store footprint is, is so important now. And there are different fulfillment technologies coming around now to do that because just having your, your regular store staff do that picking and, and packaging and putting them together, it, for most retailers, that's the, the costliest way to do it because that, that person could probably be doing something more productive uh, at that point uh, than just finding these items. So anything you can do that makes it either easier for that person to find an item and spend less time on, on the picking part, less time on packaging something, uh, all the better it is for the store operations. Uh, and that's why a lot of these micro-fulfillment technologies are, are coming out, allow you to do, and a lot of other, uh, in fact, I see a lot of e-commerce e uh, suppliers are also getting into expanding their products with these local fulfillment capabilities to make it easier for the retailer. Yeah, like auto store. There's a bunch of these out there that bring automation to the fulfilling process. That is number four. What is number three hottest trend in retail technology? 
Uh, I call this one uh, supply chain resilience. So one thing that I, I think has happened as we've all come through the pandemic is that everyone has become a supply chain expert. Uh, <laughs> that is so true. Isn't that it right? is so true. I mean, you and I have been on like rooms on Clubhouse and people are coming on and they people know about the shipping containers in on the West Coast and what's happening on the right. Long Beach we've, we've all seen this, the media reports, right? We've all seen the stories about delays in ports, um, you know, not whether it's not, not being able to unload containers and not being able to get trucks loaded. And then, you know, we had the, the problem in the canal with the, <laughs> yeah, the shipping. So I mean, all these things have happened <laughs> over the past year. Plus, you know, let's not forget about all the product shortages. Uh, the, to the point where just everybody now is suddenly a supply chain expert. So uh, what does that mean for the retailer, right? It means that all, all the previous models you had are, that helped you optimize your supply chain and your forecasting, they all kind of got thrown out the window uh, during the pandemic because no model could have predicted what, what happened. There just, you know, no, no amount of AI you could have thrown out it was going to predict that because the patterns didn't exist, the, the AI training models didn't exist before. Now they do. So now these systems are starting to get a little smarter and vendors are, are becoming smarter in how they're uh, configuring these systems for retailers. And there's just been a, a massive investment in supply chain technology in retail over the last 18 months. Um, I think that that's what my, this is my, my number three. I think retailers aren't finished investing in supply chain because there's still more things that can be done, um, you know, maybe more on the forecasting side, but uh, the, the resilience comes in for certain product categories where retailers learn they can't just have a single source, right? You have to have multiple sources to get things and where that source is now really matters. We, we had kind of gotten to a point in global supply chains where you, you could maybe be a little bit concerned about how far away a product was being sourced because that might impact its cost model, but you really weren't as concerned from a timing perspective that that distance might mean you won't have it in time. Now, I think everyone is much more aware of that. You know, we're still experiencing shortages. Now we have these chip shortage problems in the supply chain. So all, all these things aren't going away, which means retailers have to have more intelligent technology to help them manage that supply chain. It's not, you can't just throw more people at this problem and solve it. I agree with that. You can't just throw more people at the problem to solve it, I guess, because I'm definitely not a supply chain expert, albeit I've tried to become more aware and learn more. And I think I have learned more about supply chain. Can you give an example of what a technology might be that is being worked on or has been worked on as it relates to supply chain? To me, it's a little bit up in the air and I'm like, all right, so what type of application is going to help? Yeah, there, there are, I mean, there's supply chain management tools now. All of these are benefiting from AI and machine learning technologies to help, uh, you know, I, I think of it as, being a little bit more predictive, maybe it's a what if scenario and, and in modeling. So the, the real goal now uh, a retail has to have in this supply chain manager, I, I wanna have models that tell me what if X happens in my supply chain and I have to adjust. And I need mm -hmm. to adjust not in three weeks, but I need to adjust in three days. And the, the models now that are, are becoming available in these tools allow a retailer to build out that model and help them predict what they might need to do should this scenario arise. And they can have multiple scenarios predefined now to help them manage that. And that all speaks to being able to respond more quickly when these problems occur in their supply chain. So that, that's one big area. Uh, I think another area that, that's really getting improvement here is on the forecasting side. So if I look at uh, my inventory burn right at, at, at the store or on, online, you know, how quickly am I running through product? how can I enhance my ability to forecast 
two weeks out, four weeks out, four months out, what I'm going to need uh, in various categories, that's improving. Most of those models were the ones that broke <laughs> during the pandemic when you know we'd go to the grocery stores and we'd see empty shelves in areas that we could never conceive of being empty before, and suddenly they were. Uh, and that's because those models weren't, weren't adapted yet, and now we've got uh, tools that are. So forecasting is another area. Um, I'd say there, there's another area that relates to this as well is just in uh, diversity in, in supply chain. There are now part of the management tools that allow you to keep track of where things are, uh, partly because uh, more and more shipments are getting uh, IoT sensors and other technologies that allow you to have true end-to-end -end tracking from the source all the way down to where you warehouse it, where you deliver it to store. So now that your supply chain technology can know exactly where all the merchandise is and at what point in time and where it's supposed to be, uh, you've got uh, shippers like FedEx are adding a lot more technology around this, uh, this space so that now if I'm relying on FedEx to do some of that uh, shipping, say from uh, supplier to warehouse, I get a lot more data now available for them to know where it is. If there's a delay, you'll know why there's a delay and you can start to predict better now. How long is that delay going to be? Uh, again, with these, these same predictive models uh, that I was talking about. So th those pieces all kind of work together now to give a retailer much tighter picture around what they can and can't do in their supply chain. And if you're doing this right, that means that the next time you're, you start to see up, oh, there's going to be a supply issue and I can't get that merchandise. I can see it a little bit earlier than I used to. So now I can start to figure out how am I going to adjust and find another source rather than waiting until the shortage occurs and then have to scramble to, to find new sources. Interesting. I didn't know a lot of that. So that's interesting for me to hear. And I'm excited to see what that means. The what if model was profound to me. And I, I think that would be really- I, I gotta say really... what, what some of the more, most interesting things I've been seeing lately there is in the, the product tracking. So, you know, let's call that deeper in, in the supply chain. So some of the more behind the scenes things that happen, uh, getting things from supplier to warehousing to distribution, a lot of new technology happening there, uh, just with the power of cloud technology, things like RFID and IoT sensors. I'm really amazed with some of the things I'm seeing there and how much data is being generated to just help keep track of things. Very cool. Getting close to the top here. What is number two? All right, so number two, and this is, somewhat related a little bit to some of these other ones. So I call this customer data and analytics. Uh, you know, so we talked about the predictive uh, analytics capability right in the, in the supply chain space, but now uh, I kind of turn this around and let's look at customer data and what I can do with analytics there. So uh, if you're a retailer and you've invested a lot in your supply chain, or let's say over the last 12, 18 months, now you're probably saying to yourself, you know, I have all this data about what all of my customers have bought for me. What can I learn from that that might give me trends about what they might purchase in the future so I can either feed that back into supply chain, but then also how I could better market the products I have to those very same customers. Maybe I can now figure out from this data items that a certain customer buys regularly. Maybe there's other related items they're not buying from me and, and I, want, I need to start marketing those items because I have them. Uh, in my store. And for some reason, that same customer doesn't choose it. So let me come up with some new marketing ideas uh, based on what this data is telling me. So here again, uh, another great example where the AI tools are, are really coming into play now and they're really taking shape. One, one of the really interesting things I've, I've found here is that retailers don't realize how often data that looks like maybe five different customers is actually the same person. 
Uh, and, and this kind of starts to get into how does a retailer identify you as a customer? Uh, everybody, I think, now has concerns about privacy and, and personal data, right? And you don't necessarily want to give away everything there is to know about you. But the fact is, you know, when you buy things from a store, they already know something about you because you made that purchase. But let's say you buy something with uh, one credit card in the store. Uh, and let's say that store asks you for an email address and, okay, you give them one. Then you're on their website, but you use a different email address to put that order in. So on the surface to the retail, that might look like two different people, but of course it's not, right? It's the same person. Uh, how a retailer has got to figure out whether one particular customer has five different email addresses, or let's say they have two different addresses, or they've shopped in three different zip codes, but you still want to know that it's the same person, not that it's three different people. Uh, so that's one area I'm seeing a lot of work now, uh, thanks to AI. Is that that big of a problem? Well, you know, what it means, I, I've seen examples where uh, a retailer's customer database, you know, might have as much as 20, 25% of it or more is this essentially duplicate information about customers, which means they have, you know, they're off essentially by 20% as to how many customers they think they have. I see. I'm surprised the number's that high. It, I, I was too. I have to say I was too. Uh, I've, I've you know, more more recently in recent months, they've gotten a little bit smarter about this particular area and working with some technology providers. Uh, and the data, or the numbers on this, I think have been pretty pretty interesting just because the it's a bigger problem than, than you might think. Uh, and one of the reasons it's a bigger problem is, is not just because of the, you know, let's call it the, the cleanliness of your customer database, but when you go create marketing campaigns to these customers, you, you want to have a better way to segment that campaign to different customers so that, you know, if, if, you know, let's say you're, you know, somebody like a Starbucks and you really like lattes, but you hate cappuccinos, right? There's no sense in Starbucks trying to market a cappuccino to you if that's the new drink, if they know that you only ever buy lattes. So you can do that level of segmentation if you've got the clean, proper customer database and the right system on top of it to help you play that, that what if scenario again. Got it. Okay. That is an interesting one. I think we all have heard about data, 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 or the privacy around data. That is an interesting one. I had no idea it was that big of a problem, but interesting nonetheless. Okay, we're coming to the end here. We're at the top spot. What is the number one retail technology trend? All right, so my number one trend is what I call convenience technologies that reimagine retail. So, and what I start from that on that, you know, I, I, a number one trend, I, I think from the shopper's perspective over the last year, year and a half, is all about convenience. Uh, some of this was you know, kind of accelerated or forced on us because of uh, store closings during the pandemic and things, but I, I, I really see a lot of data that tells me, you know, these are the things that are gonna stick with shoppers. So things like curbside pickup, uh, you know, in some ways it was a necessity for retailers, right? Who had to close stores and still wanted to sell, but customers realized that it's pretty darn convenient to just drive up somewhere and have someone hand you the product you bought and then drive off. Uh, we used to talk about convenience uh, as a factor for the rise of e-commerce, right? And that e-commerce was all about convenience because you had uh, an easier way to buy things you already knew you were looking for and you didn't have to take the time to go to a physical store to buy it. So great, the convenience of, of online ordering, it shows up at your door. I often say, yeah, I'm gonna stop you right there. I often say, is that convenient or lazy? Because to me, <laughs> the media yeah. sometimes intertwines the two words, but to me, if I go, I don't know, online on my TV and I go through Amazon and I see something and, you know, I want it and it's going to take three days. That was easy 
I don't know if that's that convenient. If I could get the product in 15 minutes from the store, just getting out of my car, getting off my couch and going. So I often say this, is it laziness we're solving for or convenience? Because they're two different things, I think. Right. So anyway. Yeah, no, I actually, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the two are definitely related, right? Sometimes convenience is about <laughs> laziness. Sometimes it's not. Uh, you, know, you, you can take that same example, right? And if the shipping time is going to be three days, right? You, you can argue, well, it, it was more about the laziness of not having to get up and go anywhere to make the purchase. But it might be more of a convenience if I could make that same purchase, but then the retailer tells me I can conveniently go pick it up within the hour at a store that's, you know, around the corner. That's very convenient. Right. Yes. Then it becomes a convenience rather than a laziness uh, factor. So, and that's kind of what I mean by, by this trend. I think that uh, e even the traditional e-commerce online purchase model is being upended a little bit. Uh, you know, we used to all talk about how Amazon made two-day shipping the standard on, on a, for everybody else, but by just making it so easy. Uh, and, and then they've gone and made it one day. Right. And when they decided to invest in one day right uh, before the pandemic started, I would actually argue that a lot of the places now, Amazon included, that, that focus so much on this one and two day shipping as a convenience, even they're starting to falter a little bit. And, and you find more and more things when you're shopping that don't quite meet that one or two day uh, requirement. Right. And even if they do, you know, you put the order in and then you find out that, well, it's not actually going to ship until tomorrow. So the timer yeah. doesn't start. Exactly. One day until that, tomorrow. That. Now suddenly it's two. That's crazy. The timer right. doesn't start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so was that really to your point, right? Was that convenience or was that just, you know, uh, giving me a lazy factor? So, and then there are other things I see in convenience too. So let's take an example where let's say you are in the store, right? You, you've gone on a shopping trip, you're in a store. There are other convenience technologies coming there. You know, we've mentioned a couple of them already, you know, things like, how do I find something, right? So one option is I ask a store associate to tell me where it is. Um, now they either know, or they're going to take a, a mobile device and look it up in an app. Now, maybe you have that same app on your mobile device when you walk in the store, you know, Target does this really well in their app. Uh, and you just look up the item in, in your phone and it tells you exactly where it is. You know, you, some stores have even fancier apps and they'll use Wayfinder and actually show you the path on which aisle to go to in a big box store on, on how to get to that particular shelf. Uh, so those are convenience. Uh, sure, those are great. I'd go even a step further, you know, there are interesting things happening in convenience with computer vision. So one extreme example is what Amazon calls just walkout technology, right? And what uh, most everybody refers to as a cashierless technology, but you know, you as a consumer with an app have the ability to walk into a store, pick up items off a shelf and just walk out without ever stopping, right? But, and you still get charged correctly for what it is that you purchase. So that, that's a, an extreme, consider that an extreme convenience factor. And I don't know if you've been in one of those stores I have. that does this. Yeah. Um, if you have, if you're like me, I, I found that that really was an extremely convenient thing. And just doing it once made me want to go back and do it again because it was so easy. The one I went to didn't have enough carts for the amount of people. It felt like it was more of a test than the everyday, but I've been in. Yeah. So here's a convenience one I need. Are they working on this? I'm not that tall, I'm like five, seven. Do we have a way for me to get the product off the top shelf yet <laughs> without asking a store sales to bring somebody, over yeah. a forklift? Do we have a way? I need that one. I need that one. Yeah, like the motorized <laughs> shelf. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm just that's kidding. That's right. Yep. All right. Well, this was great. Let's go recap. The five of them were. Number five. Number five was frontline staff technology enablement. 
All right, frontline staff, technology enablement. What was the number four hottest trend in retail tech? Fulfillment and delivery services. Fulfillment and delivery services. The third hottest trend in retail tech? Supply chain resilience. Supply chain resilience. Number two? Customer data and analytics. Customer data and analytics. And the top retail technology trend? Convenience technology is reimagining retail. I love it. All right. We'll have a nice social graphic that'll have this, Ricardo Belmar. And there you go. We're going to get to the last part of the show. I got three questions for you. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Mm, oh, that's a good one. I, I would have to go with uh, Toys R Us because I grew up as a Toys R Us kid. So I, I got to go back and say that uh, I wish that one would come back and come back right the right way. I hear you. Okay. Number two. What is the last item over $20 you purchased in a store? Hmm. The last item over $20, that would be a Garmin uh, running smartwatch for my son at a purchased at an REI store. REI. Okay. All right. That's a great store. I like the REI. Yeah. Solid company. They're doing, you know, that's really interesting. They, they, they really understand uh, modern retail. Yeah, they're good. Okay. Last question. Ricardo, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Mm. You would probably find me either in the electronics section um, or in the uh, one of the grocery aisles looking at coffee. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was great. Enlightened me. And look forward to catching up soon. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.